Welcome to A Page in History. Join us on a fascinating journey as we delve into the memories of the world-famous NBC Pages. Get ready to hear first-hand accounts of their unforgettable experiences as they navigated the hallways of Burbank, California and the iconic 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Prepare to hear fascinating stories that were never meant to reach the ears of the general public. And now, your host for A Page in History, David Harris Katz. Get ready for an extraordinary journey in today's episode of A Page in History and hear stories from the 1980s. Hear how our next guest made small talk with some lovely ladies and told them the bandit would be by any minute. To his surprise, the one and only Burt Reynolds did make an appearance. Hear how our guest faced the amusing trials of inexperience once preventing an NBC anchor from entering the building. An unforgettable blunder that speaks volumes about the learning curve of his fascinating journey. From tickling the ivories as a guest piano player on the set of Saturday Night Live, where he shared the stage with the incomparable Eddie Murphy, to becoming a news and sports anchor for affiliates of NBC, CBS, and Fox, his career is a testament to his versatility and resilience. Hear about his encounter with a political figure and the near mishap of almost knocking Ted Kennedy to the ground right before an interview on Meet the Press. And who could forget the unconventional swim in the fountain at Rockefeller Plaza with none other than the legendary Bill Murray. His journey is sprinkled with memorable encounters from retrieving a guitar left behind by Cheap Trick to escorting Deborah Harry of Blondie on Valentine's Day, receiving a box of chocolates in gratitude. He even played a pivotal role in helping David Letterman find his dressing room on his first day in NYC, setting the stage for the iconic career that followed. One of the most remarkable chapters of our guest involved sleeping in his car for six straight nights at Cape Canaveral while working as a production assistant for the Today Show during the lead up to the first space shuttle launch in 1981. He sang and played piano for a duet with another NBC employee in the first all NBC talent show held in 8H, Tom Snyder was hosting. Join us on a captivating journey through the pages of his remarkable life, sharing anecdotes that span from the humorous to the heartwarming and reminding us that sometimes the most unforgettable moments are written in the margins of history. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Doug Sivko. Woohoo, Doug! Hey, Hello. Doug, how's it going? What's Very going on? Well, God, I feel like I'm on What's My Line or something. You're going <laughs> yes. through all these stories. And now we have your third grade uh, teacher from <laughs> elementary school. Here she is, oh Mrs. Pincus. No, I don't know. Uh, so where are you calling from? Where Where are you right now? I'm on beautiful Cape Cod in Orleans, Massachusetts, uh, wow. where I work as an investment advisor. Wow. Oh, that must be lovely. Is it freeze? Is it cold there right now? Is it freezing up there? It's a little uh, blustery, you know, 40s, but it's November, so it's expected. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, it was like almost I think it's freezing here in New York City, beautiful downtown ah. New York City. Um, so, yeah. So so you you join us on a special uh, we'll say special month, special day. I don't know what it is, but uh, mm -hmm. it's been 90 years 
since uh, the NBC page program started. And many famous folks like yourself um, mm. have, have come out of that program. So before we even get started, I was going to say, do you, before I even give you some of these, these folks, do you, do you know of any um, folks that, that were NBC pages? Uh, I mean, yeah, we, uh, you know, when I was at NBC, I was working with Willard Scott, who was an NBC page back in his earlier days from uh, Washington, D.C. And of course, Ted Koppel was around in New York at that time, too. So, I mean, I, I, I don't stay in touch. Actually, there's two pages that are on Cape Cod now that uh, used to work with me. So, you know, some people have migrated up and down the East Coast. Right. Yeah, it's actually amazing. I was I was looking up this this list um, and. Some of them, it's really funny. Uh, Gene Rayburn, which oh, yeah. I believe he was a patient. It was so funny because, and I mentioned this once before, I met him in the underground lair um, uh, under when I for SNL when I was working SNL. I had to pick him up under the the. the have you ever been down there to the catacombs of of Thirty uh. Rock? The tunnels. You know, I have I I've been all around the building because I was looking to find three phones that I could make calls on. But um, <laughs> that's really funny. You know, I always had to do that off the mezzanine because that's where right. we were based. And that but, secret uh, code you had to punch in. There was a code you could punch yeah, in to get a free yeah. a free thing. Remember? Okay. Yeah, and if um, and if you had it, you guarded it with your life. Mm. That is so yeah. funny. No, I mean, I, the cool thing about NBC was going up and down the elevators, checking out everything. I remember once I was in the elevator and in walked Ringo Starr and uh, mm. his wife, Barbara Bach. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm in an elevator with a real beetle. It was that kind of stuff that happened almost every day. Right. It, it, it's so funny because it is true. You know, you you walk into that building and it it's it's one of those things where you know, in any other position, any other job, um, you know, nobody famous. I mean, I guess that's possible, but you know, no one's going to get in the elevator that may change your life or that you, that may have inspired you, you know, when you were little and yeah, being at NBC, you get into an elevator and anyone mm. could get right in next to you. And you're like, my God, so-and-so is standing right next to me. And it's, it's like mind boggling. And you know, again, it's, I don't know, you know, it's, it's been a while since um, you were a page, but all these years later to think that you remember when Ringo Starr walked in is like incredible. It, it It's like shocking. So yeah. So Gene Rayburn was a, um, you know, was a page. Uh, Kate Jackson was a page. Regis Philbin was a page. Michael Eisner from Disney was a page. Mm -hmm. um, most recently, Aubrey Plaza, was on SNL and you know, it was like funny. She's getting all this press that she was a page and on SNL, to be honest with you, I didn't really, I wasn't aware of her work prior to SNL, but everybody was talking about her being a page. So that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, I mean, that's the ultimate thing going from like the mail room to the star, you know, in the green room, you know, she actually went from the very beginning of NBC to the very top of it. Right. It, it, it is, it's, it's, it is amazing. And of course, you know, um, even even some of the people that that sort of made it, you know, we, we were pages with them. So they were, you know, um, you know, <laughs> they were just regular people just like us when when we when we started um, even. And it's so funny. I was looking this list up and Stuart Bailey. Um, I don't know if that name rings uh, is familiar to you, but Stuart Bailey was a page with me. 
and I'm looking up famous people that went to uh, that were, you know, that were pages. And Stuart Bailey is it was in my page class and he they have him listed here as last call with with Carson Daly. But I think he did. I think he did the Daily Show also with <laughs> with, with John Stewart, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the, you know people that run uh, work on Jimmy Fallon, uh, Debbie Vickers, who was the Tonight Show executive producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to I had to produce some video for her um, when Jay Leno came to New York. So I had shot some video of Thirty Rock, and I remember sending it to her, and and I forget the other person's name, but. And then Lara Spencer, who was on right. Good Morning America, she also was in my class. Um, and then was she Captain. cute back then? Uh, I guess. Well, I had I'll I had eyes for another page, and I'm going to give her a shout out to Eleni for those that know me. And uh, so Eleni uh, was the only one that I had eyes for. So <laughs> so and 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 actually Eleni wound up being um, Debbie on Sex in the City. So uh, if, you, if, if you're a Sex in the City fan, so she was she was my favorite um, and she still is my favorite. So yeah. in any case, and then it says, you know, according to Business Insider, becoming an NBC page is harder than becoming a Naval SEAL or even getting into Harvard, which is mm-hmm. insane. Um, and it says that, I guess, yearly they get twenty six hundred applicants for. I think only like 60 spots per year, but it's, it's, it's on a rolling basis. So it, it, um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get in. Right. Did you have any, any, um, what, any, any way of getting in or or had you go about getting in? Well, I was a, I was a communications and journalism major at Rutgers and I graduated and what a surprise with journalism and uh, communications, there's no people waiting to hire you. So, after I had run through a few TV stations in New Jersey and got no luck at auditioning, because I had been on the radio station at Rutgers, I just said, I'm going to go into New York. I'm going to go to BlackRock for CBS. I'm going to go to ABC and I'll go to NBC and see if there's any jobs there. And if not, I'm going to fly as a flight attendant for Pan Am. Mm. And the last place I stopped was NBC. And this is really cool because the person at the HR desk where I filled out my application was a page doing an assignment there. Oh. And he said, hey, go see Robin Sandwaffer. You know, a new page is just, uh, a current page is just leaving. Maybe she'll be interested in you. And that was as lucky as it gets getting a job at NBC. And I went down there, I interviewed and I got the job. Wow. It, it really is amazing. And, and you know, um, like I, I also, I, I remember I sent out, you know, a, probably a hundred letters to a million different places. The only place I wanted to be was NBC or I got all rejection letters from everybody else or nobody responded. And somehow I don't, you know, I got a response from, a, I guess, a letter I wrote. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but, and. Who did uh, you know, I, David, who did you know? Exactly. Right. I, that thing. I didn't know anybody. And. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and Mary Rothschild. Uh, well, it's either Mary or did you know Mary Rothschild, or do you know? Oh, Mary? yeah, Mary was there when Robin was there. Did you know Robin? I guess not. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. No. Um, but Mary was her second in command when I was there. Okay, because yeah, when I was there, then Janice Panino came in, who became head of the department, and Mary. And again, this the the hierarchy of how this went, I never really understood it. But in any case, I I guess I interviewed with all of them and you know, and, and I'm so great, you know, I'm grateful as I'm sure you are and all the pages that have come through there 
you know, I, I owe them, you know, I owe them my life. Like I'm, I was just so grateful to become a page and, and they don't realize it. And like the same thing with you, you know, you, you, this person, you know, hires you and it literally changed your whole life. You know, absolutely changed. the. I'd be flying on an airline right now if I wasn't an NBC page. I mean, it wouldn't have gotten me into TV news. Right. Right. So amazing. And we'll talk about some of your, actually, you know, we could, we could, so you would work for NBC, CBS and Fox and you're currently yeah, at, with, at local affiliates, right? And 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 are you you were the current you're with a local affiliate up in um, uh, New England now? No, no, oh, no, no. You're I not there. Tele- right. you're I left television, there. and I'm a financial advisor. I was with okay. Morgan Stanley for a while, and Dean okay. Witter, and now I'm with a small individual group that just does individual portfolios for people. But I had a 16 year career on TV, and it was uh, it was a blast. Wow. I remember wow. Jack Cafferty from. Uh, channel four if you remember him yeah yeah i was he, uh, i was jack's uh, well i was jack's assistant so well there I, you I, go I, yeah so i know jack very well and i've yeah well, so i sat down tell- with him one time and i said jack you know um i, I want to get in on this he says well, you don't want to be a copy guy you got to go cut your teeth go out into the affiliates make your way get a good reel and then you can come back to new york so jack cafferty told me to go to market 177 alexandria louisiana and that's where wow. i started yeah. Wow. And it's funny. We we've talked about Jack in the past and, and, oh. I, and he has this hard exterior, but, but he was a very oh. nice guy, right? Yeah. He, he would talk to any page. I mean, we were the lowest of the low and he would, he gave, made time for me. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we've, you know, we've also discussed that some of these folks, you know um, f- you know, they're famous in our eyes, you know, and, mm. and a lot of them had, you know, give us the time and they don't realize it, but you know we're we're twenty years old, and you know some big hotshot. You know we'll, we use Jack Cafferty. I mean he was big, and you know he's still big. I I I I, I think he's still doing some some television. I don't know if he's on Fox. I, I don't know where he is now, but but yeah, for him to sit and actually talk to you is amazing, wow. and literally changed your life. Absolutely. Um, and they don't re- you know like it you know just think about you you personally if you spoke to a young kid and gave them advice and they grow up to be, you know, something, you know, you know, yeah, Ted Cobble or something. Yeah, Ted Cobble, right. Exactly. It, it's just amazing. So uh, in any case, so we'll, we'll get, we'll get um, underway. We'll, we'll ask you about some of these um, things that we tease at the top of the show. So you had mentioned Burt Reynolds. So, yes. so did you, you, you did meet Burt Reynolds or he did show yes. up. Well, what was that oh, yeah. story? Like? And, and of yeah, course he's, he's a great Great guy. Great actor. I was working at the main hall, which I don't know if it's still the same or not, but you know, there was, it was a big booth from the thirties or forties. And I know it's all changed since, but uh, you know, you're in there from like 8 AM until noon and you're stuck in this cage and these four nice little old ladies from Minnesota come up to me and they say, what's going on today? I said, well, it's Saturday night live day, of course. And they go, Oh, that's nice. Who's on it? And I said, well, Burt Reynolds is going to be hosting me. Oh, Burt Reynolds. And then I inserted my foot in my mouth and said, yeah, he'll gonna, he's going to walk right by here and right on up those stairs. They looked at me like they were thunderstruck and, and they never <laughs> left for four or five hours. They just hung around the lobby. Wow. And, oh, thank God at about two o'clock he showed up or else I was just toast. Wow. Did, did he say hello to anybody or did he? He uh... did. He was very nice. He shook their hands. I think he took a picture with somebody. They had one of those little Instamatic cameras with right. a bulb on top. But right. I mean, he couldn't have been nicer. I just thought, oh, he's going to go up some freight elevator and I'm not going right. to have 
you know, fulfilled the truth. So right. it was it was one of those things where they just wouldn't leave. They were just, you know, they're from Minnesota. They're ready to see Burt Reynolds. <laughs> it is funny. Well, first of all, a main hall, uh, and it's funny, I, I actually was there, you know, I, I only live a couple blocks from 30 Rock, but um, I took some pictures, which I should put up on the web uh, website, yeah. but it, um, you know, the, the where the store was, there was a store right across from the where the security desk was where the right. security you know elevators so that store they demolished it and put stairs going up to the mezzanine level which is where they sort of do the the roof i think to go up to the roof now to the roof deck mm -hmm. thing and then mm -hmm. there's a big center uh desk in the middle which i think is security I, I, i'm not sure and then mm -hmm. the two booths that you're talking about there's one on the left and one on the right there was like one where we sold the tickets and then one where we sat in. Um, those have been removed. So it's just wow. the, the, it's just empty space. But it was fun to sit in main hall. You would sit there and it's true. Um, most of the time, most of the celebrities would come through that, you know, right was. security was. And and there was other secret ways of getting in, you know, but most of them came through. And it was kind of fun when when people would come from Minnesota or wherever. And sometimes you'd be talking to them and literally like right behind them. It's like, OK, turn around slowly. You know, so and so is right behind you. You know, I mean, it's kind yeah. of funny. So if you, if you had nothing, you know, if you have nothing better to do, you, you in theory, you could just stand out there, which some folks did. And especially like after SNL, people would wait downstairs and wait for talent to to go down in that thing to get autographs and stuff, which was really funny. Well, well plus it gave us, you know, something to do. I mean, you know, it could get pretty boring there. I mean, well, not people are coming by all the time. So when you found some people, they wanted to talk to you, you wanted to talk to them. And you, of course you're wearing the page outfit. So you're representing NBC. Right. And I remember once, I mean, there was many times where, where I'd see celebrities coming in, but I remember I was finishing up in the booth and Jay Leno was mm -hmm. walking through and I went to Emerson College and so did Jay Leno. So oh, I, I literally yeah. was like, yeah, I, I literally was like, OK, got to go. And I literally just bolted, you know, right through security, get in the elevator with him. And I'm like, hey, Jay, you know, and I started talking, you know, hey, you went to Emerson. Went, oh, yeah. You know, and he was telling us stories. Um, matter of fact, one of the, the story at Emerson is that is that one of our my psychological my psych teacher um, used to pay for Jay Leno to come to New York on the weekends to do stand up. Um, wow. Mr. I forget what his. Uh, he was like he was such a nice guy. He, I think he's 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 since passed away. But um, I didn't ask Jay that question. I should have asked him if if that was true. But um, but yeah, it was kind of cool to run into people in the elevator. Um, okay, so let's see some other things. So uh, so for example, um, you had prevented an NBC anchor we to 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 going into the building. So were you, were you standing at security or what was that deal about? I was I was down on the steps below main hall and you know when you're when you're brand new they throw you out there because you gotta be security. You know, you don't have that cachet to be up on eight or nine. So I was out there to stop people that were rushing in without tickets. And um mm. it was for Saturday Night Live. It was I think it for the rehearsal show. But anyway this woman comes by, beautiful blonde hair, but she's in a rush, rush, rush. And I put out my arm to stop. And she just hit my arm and put it down. She goes, I work here. And it turned <laughs> out being it worked out, turned out to be Jessica Savage, who was doing the news that night. But wow. I didn't know who the hell she was because she was right. rushing and she had something over her head. So, you know, she kind of hit me in the arm. You know, she, I don't know <laughs> that she was that nice of a lady. Of course she's dead now. But she was oh, she funny. was driven. That's for sure. Wow. She was gonna get in. 
and, and then they and told it, me to let her go. Right. And it's true. You know, again, as a 20 year old kid or whatever, you know, we it's not like they they sort of, you know, you're thrown in there and you don't know mm. what the hell's going on. You don't know who's <clears> who. If you don't know these these celebrities or stars, if you don't happen to know who that these people are, you don't know who they are. And we've had other folks on the show where we had very famous people trying to get through security. And the page was like, oh, by the way, you know, that's uh, the president of the United States. You know, who, who, you yeah. know, it was like yeah. it was like they had to vouch for these people because the right. security didn't know who they were, um, mm. which is really which is really funny. Um, and then again, some of the folks like Jessica there were folks that weren't as kind and then there were other celebrities that always managed to be pleasant even mm. at, even un under pressure and they were so kind and, and they're like superstars so did you run into any celebrities that you noticed you know in your in you know that 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 really were just so nice to you or 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 talked to you for a little bit yeah, I mean, Gilda Radner was very nice to me. I, see, I was there for the last year of the original cast of Saturday Night Live. So I was there wow. for that last season and the first season with Eddie Murphy. So, wow. but she was very sweet. She was very quiet, quietly spoken. Um, you know, and she would, she would like throw up before every show, but, you know, she was very nice <laughs> oh to me. God. She said, hi, how are you? Before walking in, you know, other people like Garrett Morris and Bill Murray, although Bill was nice, he, they just go on in. But mm. Gilda actually took the time to say, hello, how are you doing? Right. And it's so weird. Um, it, it, it's just weird that some stars, they get so big and Gilda's one of them, you know, unfortunately, you know, gone too soon, but you know, uh, you know, it's like, are the ingredients to become a superstar? It, it seems that the ingredients for a lot of these folks, and we use Tom's Tom Hanks as like, as like the role as like the, you know, the pinnacle, you know, the, the guy, you know, they're always so nice and they rise to the super superstardom. Mm -hmm. You know, is it, is, you know, it's like, is it their DNA in their DNA because they are so nice it just comes across on camera or, or something about it because a lot of these folks don't have to give you the time of day and they, they could be, some of them can be rude and sometimes their mm -hmm. stars, you know, burn out pretty quick. And then you look back and you're like, yeah, they were kind of nasty, <laughs> you know um, not a lot, but you know, some. Um, so it is amazing. And you had mentioned that Eddie Murphy, you somehow, um, you you were in the at SNL. Yeah, I was up on the stage, and it it wasn't the time for a production or anything. It was, it's, it, the stage was pretty dark there on Eight H, and I just got up there. I, when I see a piano, I want to play because I just play. But um, I just play contemporary songs. I don't, I can't read music. But I was on there one night just playing, and suddenly out of nowhere, up walks Eddie Murphy, and we start singing these uh, Supreme songs, and I'm like, holy sugar, I'm I'm playing with Eddie Murphy, and he can sing actually. I know he had a. Yeah, music career and people gave him crap about it but he actually had a pretty good voice and it wasn't like we played for half an hour but he sang a couple songs with me i thought this is this is exactly what nbc page is i mean you just never know what's going to happen next and it's almost always more exciting than the rest of your life right and it's funny i guess he he came out with that single party all the time i think yeah which, which was very which and he you know and it was it was a hit when it came out yeah but yeah, yeah and it was funny how again you know, uh, I, I, I can't, I, I don't remember meeting Eddie Murphy, although maybe I, I have at some of these, 
you know, the, the anniversary parties or something. I can't remember if I ever spoke to him, but I've seen him in interviews and he always seems very kind and he always seems very nice. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that you're, you know, and of course, I guess at the tail end, did he just start on SNL? When yeah, you he was 18 so he or just... 19. He wasn't even uh, old enough to drink. He was, he's kind of cocky in that first year, actually, because he was the, you know, SH. So everybody was like, hey, man. Yeah, because you know, he, and he, I think it got to him early. Mm. If he got kinder and sweeter and gentler, it was later. To me, he mm. was a little bit of a kind of a, you know, I, I'm right. all that in a bag of chips. Right, because he that was, was early. yeah, he was red hot. I mean, he was oh. he, he was red hot at that. You know, again, when he started, I guess I don't know how how quickly he took off, but um, you know, he was he was it. Yeah, so so I guess you know, again, as an 18, 19 year old kid, he, he you know, I guess you know. He figures well, plus out. the rest of the cast kind of sucked, so it made him look a lot better. <laughs> you know, Joe Piscopo was good, but after that, they kind of who are those people? You know, Charles right. Rocket. I mean, who are these guys? Right. So that's why the you know that's why in the eighties the show went downhill after the seventies great start, and Eddie Murphy kept it going for a while. Um, yeah, it was funny because even Joe Piscopo, which I which I did see during the fifteenth anniversary show. Um, and he was really talented, but but even he sort of fizzled out. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he, he he was I remember he would always show. I remember him showing up often with his I don't know if it was his wife. I don't know if it was his girlfriend, but um, but it looked like a <laughs> it looked like she he just picked her up at, uh, you know, some stripper <laughs> off of some stripper pole or something. I don't know. But it was really uh, funny because he would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would show up with these women. Um, and he was all, and then, it, and then he, he also got very buff at one point. I don't yes. know, um, yeah. I don't know what, what he was doing there, but, but, uh, steroids <laughs> probably, but, yeah. but whatever, whatever, exactly. Um, so with that said, now you mentioned, now it's funny at the end of each season, uh, which I don't think happened this particular last year, but, it, but for those that are listening, the, um, the, uh, you know, the, the last show in May, there is a private party at the where the ice skating rink is, which is I, it became the cafe. They would move the ice and, you know, there was a cafe down there and it was an outdoor party and mm -hmm. it was very hard to get in. But generally, the pages would always go. And you have a story, which I'll tell you about our story. But 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 it wounds up wound up you you wound up going into the fountain into the yes. so tell it because because I think that might be a tradition so tell us about your story because I'll well, tell was, you about it was, yeah it was the last season of the original cast that Bill mm. Murray and uh, Lorraine Newman and those guys were not coming back so um you know it got pretty wild and SNL people tend to blow off a lot of steam anyway but uh Bill Murray started going crazy and uh he jumped in the in into the the water, which isn't that deep. It's maybe two or three feet, but he's right. in there splashing around. So I said, "I'm going in too. This is too too good to, to pass up." So we were like dancing with four or five other pages in the water of uh, the Prometheus with Bill Murray. I don't think any other cast members got in there. He was he was he was as crazy off camera as he was on. Wow, and well, it's so funny because I forget which show, which what party or episode or whatever. But, but, um, but, I, but my group, we, we, I don't think we too went into the fountain at, at, at one of the end of the year things. So, oh, wow. yeah. And, cool. and I forget what year, you know, I forget what year or whatever it was. 
Uh, again, Ken Hamill probably, who's our resident expert, um, he probably knows who made it into the fountain. But I, yeah, I, at that party, everyone just jumped into the fountain. And the fact that you, with Eddie Murphy, went into that with I Bill mean, Murray, Bill Murray, I, with Bill Murray. I mean, with Bill Murray, um, it's like one of the most famous fountains in the world. Oh. With actually one of the most famous, you know, comedians in the world, um, in a in a fountain that you're not supposed to go into. No, um, right. it's like one of those. I mean, it's just it. You can't. You you gotta love it. I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> in this, fountain. you can't. Well, you can't make it up, and B, it'll never happen again. So it's like one of those moments in time. Right. Exactly. It'll never happen again. And it, it's it's so funny because we, I, we did talk about that um, in in previous podcasts where. There are opportunities arise, you know, a celebrity comes by or something happens where you have literally just a couple of seconds to make a decision. I'm going to go talk to that guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, and yeah. and just take action where it literally is something that either changes your life or 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 you remember for the rest of your life. Um, are there any instances like that where you, you know, something came up? totally unexpected that you sort of had to, that you just sort of made a split second decision. And you're like, thank God I made that decision. Well, that was the thing with Debbie Harry of Blondie when she got done with her song and there were people trying to uh, get her autograph and they took her to a, a freight elevator to go down to get out to the front of Rockefeller Center or where the, where the Prometheus is. And um, so they asked me to go along with her. So I went along with her and uh, went down the elevator and it was Valentine's Day night or right around there. And she had a big bunch of roses and boxes of chocolates with her as gifts. And so I walked her around to her limo and got her in the limo. And then before she closed the door, she just handed me a big box of Godiva chocolates. I said, oh my gosh, thank you. Wow. Well, I took I mean it's but, and it's funny were you were you a um, blondie fan um yeah oh yeah, yeah i mean she was about four or five years past by the time but you know they brought right. her back and you know it was just kind of cool to help her and then she was very kind back to me like you had said some of these celebrities are very very kind wow actually it's funny i think let me see i'm gonna i'm gonna get i'm gonna get up i don't know if i have it uh I, it's funny you mentioned you mentioned the chocolates. I literally ab above me on the shelf, totally random. Uh, I went to somebody's house in New York, and she had a party with all these famous people. And mm -hmm. as I was leaving this person's house, she handed me some gummy bears, and the gummy bears were like infused CB, you know, the oil gummy bears, whatever CBD. CBD. But nice. but it, it was actually Martha Stewart who went to this party, brought this person boxes of her new CBD gummy bears. And as I was leaving, she goes, oh, here, you can have this. So I have a box that was that was brought to the party by Martha Stewart. And this person gave me it and I just have it above my head here. It's like so random. And I'm, and had I'm any? I never no, I never opened them. She the person who gave it to me said they apparently they weren't very strong or something. I don't know. So oh. I never opened them, but I, but I still have them. <laughs> But again, totally random. And, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and I've all, you know, like, if you're this, not a page, it doesn't happen, you know, yeah. if you're not there. Yeah. I mean, it's just funny that, that, um, you know, all of these little fun things in life, you know, um, are just, they're, they're, they're fun. I mean, they're, they're just things that are so insignificant. But, you know, if you had to live a life, 
doing all these fun things um you know it's 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 not a bad life to have you know it's it's not you know and you, know, and I don't know had, if you have you a 12 month program or an 18 month program because ours was 18 months back in the early 80s we actually had 18 months to find a job and i found one in 14 so yeah. i didn't have the 12 month thing yeah ours, ours was 18 months as well okay. and i know that they they switched it to 12 and i think now it might be 12 and i know some yeah, some people yeah. yeah some people they they switched um mm -hmm. So yeah, it it is interesting that it, yeah it was an eighteen month um, thing where you sort of had to get in and and um... yeah I felt like we had to hit the ground running we had to find a job right away it was always that push to like get in get in get in get in because you don't have that much time by the time you know what the hell's going on it's your time's almost up right and I, I also find it interesting that even though it was eighteen months in all of this time that has passed it's so interesting that you that that you and everybody else have so many stories about this very brief time in your life. And if you look at, you know, like the past 30 or 40 years, you know, all of a million things have happened, but in, for some reason they're like, it's like so much has been compressed into the short time of stories that you're talking about, you know, for the past 30 years, which is. Oh, look, I always say it's the greatest job I ever made $4 an hour. At. I mean, <laughs> when I see now that it's $20 an hour, I'm like, my God, oh, I, wow. I made that. I, I, it took me a day to make what they make in a couple hours. But I know it's inflation and everything, but right. it's like, you know, we were getting paid $124 a week and it, I loved the job. I loved it. Right. And it's funny. I think we, I think we made like $7 and something an hour. Ooh. Uh, I forget. Ooh. Yeah. So we went, we went, we made it. And it was funny because I went in to go look at the tour and the tours are like, it was some crazy, it was like 30 bucks to, to take a tour. It was like some crazy number. And I think yeah. when I was there, I think it was like five bucks or 10, I think it, it was not a lot of money of to do it, but yeah. now it's like for, for a family of four or five, I mean, you have to sell one of your kids to, to, to go take a tour. Um, hey, look, I had to take a bus. I had to take a train in from New Jersey every day. Some nights I would, I would sleep in the green rooms at 8 H uh just to kind of defray the cost of coming in and out i would take bagels from the today show set put them in my pocket you know i mean you had to, you had to do what you had to do to survive wow i really incredible. did no that that's amazing did you did you have any um assignments did, did, did... um well it was i was eight h key page oh you were okay that and that's what i was too one. i i was i was yeah. the key page as well yeah, yeah you, were the, you were the king at that point and, oh cool uh, oh yeah and i remember it yeah. And of course, my brother came almost every week, even though he went to Montclair <laughs> State. You know, I'm like, Jim, I can't get you in every week. But oh, I, he funny. found a way in like to nine of the 12 shows. Um, other than that, I, I, I didn't I didn't do much. I was floating around. I wasn't in mm. the executive suite or in sales or anything. Funny story. You know, you went to Emerson. Um, I applied for a sales job at NBC when I was a page. Mm. And I, I figure I'm a page. You know, I'm young. I can do this. I can sell. And they hired 10 guys from Harvard right out of school. Mm. So I kind of realized that, you know, they're looking for certain people for certain things. Mm. Which, right. Which, um, yeah, I mean, they tried to, you never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, um, I know that, in, again, in speaking to some folks, they, they, they tried to, you know, diversify and, and have many different folks in different positions. And, and sometimes, you know, some of these folks from Harvard or wherever, you know, sometimes, you know, folks that that are just more driven, who really want the position, they excel, mm -hmm. even if even without the education. 
um, right. because they're so passionate about it and like they really, really want this and they're so, mm. they just will do anything to, um, to, to succeed. You know, sometimes those are good to have, you know, um, you know. Well, one of my one of my only regrets, and sometimes I don't even think it is, is that I left New York. I mean, I was doing some soap opera work on all my children and Ryan's Hope, and just extra stuff. And I was in this all NBC talent show that you discussed earlier. Oh. And uh, but you know, Jack Cafferty convinced me get out there, cut your teeth. So I went to these small markets, and I never really got back to New York. And I know you are in New York, so I don't know if you ever left. But you know, I always wonder should I have left New York or just just toughed it out? I didn't know. Mm. Well, that is interesting because a lot of, and especially on air, well, I guess was your passion to be on air talent? On air. Yeah, it, it was. was. That, I, I wanted that and you couldn't do it. You wouldn't be on you know channel four. You wouldn't walk right in there with, with right. Jack. So right. he basically so, said, get out of here. You could get some experience. So I had to do it. Right. Which, and again, in, in fairness to that, that is, you know, it was good advice if you wanted to be on air and it's, it's amazing. And I give credit to people like yourself and, and, and a lot of talent that I see and come across, you know, they, they go to like all of these local stations all around the country. And mm -hmm. some of them do make it back to New York. Some of them, mm -hmm. you know, stay in, in, in other parts of the country, but I, I'm, I was always very homesick or something. And I never really, I'm like, oh, I don't want to move to Louisiana or, or what, you know, and, and, but a lot of folks did do that to, to, to get on air. So technically you did do the right thing um, because, you know, you got your dream of, of becoming on air. So. Well, plus the other thing is that the page program got me that start because when I was there, Tom Brokaw and Roger Mudd were the anchors back then. They were doing local commercials for the local affiliates. So all these news directors from Louisiana and Oklahoma and Utah were coming in at NBC and they were doing 10 and 30 second spots to take back to their local affiliates to make it look like NBC network cares. So while they were in the green room, I actually had my resume handing them out to people saying, you know, I'm looking to be on air. And I got my first two jobs because of being in that green room with all these other small market news directors. Wow. See, that was, again, we talked about opportunity, you know, it, and it's funny, you know, opportunity meeting preparation or preparation meeting opportunity. You had your resume, you were with a room full of guys, you know, guys and gals, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. from these stations. And you seize that opportunity because it's true. When is the next, you know, when, when are you ever going to be in a room with these local affiliates? It's Never. amazing. Never. Yeah. Wow. And it's so funny because I worked for, I don't know if you know who Charles Perez is. Um, he, he was, a, he had his own talk show uh, by Tribune. Um, it, you know, he was actually a producer for Ricky Lake, then got his mm -hmm. own show. And mm -hmm. I used to produce the promos for all of the affiliates. And I used to go to Promax and then sit with all of these local stations. And mm -hmm. it was so cool. Cause you're, you're sitting there with all of these stations. I think it was like over 200 affiliates and they're they're all looking to me for the work and I get to you know meet them in, in person. Um, so it's a cool, you know, it, it's kind of cool to um, to 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 be involved with that. And even now, my production company to this day, I actually distribute programming, um, mm -hmm. including my own shows to local affiliates. So I deal with I have I have. Um, in Louisiana, it was a me TV station uh, that um, I had it for mm -hmm. years, but they actually just closed. 
but you know, so we, we have like local affiliates around. So, so I got a kick out of talking to them and seeing, seeing some of these local affiliates, some of them, you know, some NBC, Fox, different, different affiliates. The it's amazing to hear what they can and can't do. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, some of them were like, we don't have enough hard drive space for, for your files. So could wow. you could you could you send it to us weekly? You know, was, yeah. and I'm like, really? You know, or you talk to Master Control. And I remember Master Control in New York. You know, again, it's like the spaceship. And yeah. I, you know, and I'm on the phone with Master Control at W whatever, you know. And it, again, it was a great experience, you know, being a page either being a page or becoming a producer, you know, in New York at WNBC, because you, you, you're able to walk into master control or you're able to see the talent, you know, how they perform or, you know, so you really get to learn and absorb everything that goes on to, and it definitely has helped me, you know, 30 years later when I'm working with all these local stations and different people, mm -hmm. I always think back on a regular basis of things that, that I learned. Um, There's no other job in, in, in the business where you can walk in and actually, you know, you have a key to whatever, if you want to be in production, if you want to be in television, if you want to do radio, I, there's no other job in the world that gives you that kind of a head start if you take advantage of it. Right. Did they, when you were there, the radio station, WNBC, I guess, existed, right? When you were there? Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, did yeah. you, did you go check that out at all or i i tried to get in on it but they had some really good announcers so they weren't interested in an nbc page you know doing any promos or anything I, but I, my, my my push was more toward broadcast and television right. and you know tom brokaw uh, right did you get you know, a i was a big fan of his right did you talk to him at all i did a few times especially when we went down for the first space shuttle launch i mean as you mentioned i i drove myself down in my two-tone ford maverick and slept in my car and then the damn uh, space shuttle was delayed a few days. So uh, a three-day trip turned into a six-day trip. Uh, but it was cool because you'd go into the hotel rooms where Jane Pauley and Brokaw and the whole Today Show group would be talking at 11 a.m. for a post-meeting about what the next day will be. And you just realize they're just human beings, but they're very talented human beings. And, right. and of course, Brokaw has a super low voice. So... Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I want to be just like him. That's what kind of got me going. I, I want to be on amazing? the Today Show. Wow. I would take the copy from the Today Show at 7 a.m. And, and rewrite it and type it. So I would wow. see if I could learn how to, you know, read news copy. Right, right. It, it really, again, it's it's so fascinating because it it's so cool that, you know, and again, you know, um, going to the Today Show, because we, that was one of the assignments, you know, you would, you know, work, greet the guests for the today show and mm -hmm. such. And it's oh, true. Cool. You know, there'd be, there'd be, you know, scripts lying around or like I worked the, the newscast, you know, so you get the copy and, you know, you'd see back in the day, the writers would write this, the copy for the talent on typewriters. Well, mm -hmm. they of started course. with typewriters and, and actually back, yeah, back with you, you, you had, they, they, I guess they the seven plies, the you seven plies. Right. And, and I used to rip those, you know, ripping the scripts. You did? Yeah, I ripped those scripts Great. for the newscast. Yeah, so you would you would have a big table. You'd have the seven the prompter, and you go and you rip them, and in in a, in a yeah. second, you know, and then okay. yeah, one goes to prompter, one goes to talent, one goes to the other talent, one the director, exactly. The director. The pink copy goes here, there. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, actually, ex um, well, explain. Yeah, for those that are listening, explain that they may not even understand what what ripping scripts or the versions. So just quickly talk about that. 
Right. I mean, any time during the day, especially with the Today Show, news is breaking and changing. And back in the 80s, they were typing it on Selectric 2s or just regular typewriters. There were sheets of paper that had seven plies. They were different colors denoted for different people, either the prompter person, the person reading the news, uh, the director, the producer. And so you would type a story and then you would rip the script and have it disseminated or somebody would disseminate it to the various people. And then you'd go on the air with it. It was called Seven Plies back then. And uh, that was the standard for broadcast news in 1981 and 82. Wow. And it's funny because because I don't even know uh, if they I'm assuming they do that. I don't know. But but yeah, we would get those uh, now they would come off of the computer and it would be yeah seven plies and you'd pull off the little strip on the left to sort of separate yes. the holding yeah. it and pull off the other tab and you'd go shoom, 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 shoom. and then you would you get all these stacks you know together and then you know i did it where you'd have to run out to the prompter give it to the prompter and then run out and give it to in this case let's say it was chuck or sue you know give them mm -hmm. their copy run right. into the control room, give the director, mm -hmm, right. the, the, um, the, uh, assistant director, I guess, or the, yeah, the AD. So everyone mm -hmm. would get their copy. Yeah. Right. And it's, and, and again, in breaking news, you know, that from the time it comes off this, the printer, you have to separate it and get it out there within the a, right like, people. A, like, yeah, to the right people in like a minute, you know? Yeah. Um, and people, again, people watch the news. They don't realize, you know, everything looks so, so smooth. And the only reason that the talent, you know, before the show, which I guess yourself included, you would look at the scripts and I guess you would make your own when you're, when you're going on air and you have your copy, um, would you sort of read it and make your own little notation? on? Oh yeah, scripts? definitely. Definitely mark it up. You know, I put slashes where to pause and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, if you have the time to, I mean, you know, right. new, news is, is by the minute. So, you know, I, I, normally I, I mean, I became more of a sportscaster after I left in mm -hmm. TV news. I, I went from news to business news to sportscasting mm -hmm. um, and sportscasting is a whole different animal you have to cut the video and you have to write the words to it and sometimes you don't even have a script you just have to have a few names of people so it, it varies depending upon what you're doing right so why don't you yeah explain to the folks um you know about marking the scripts and 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 doing that process because again if the reason why you have your copy in front of you is that if the prompter goes down mm -hmm. if you don't have something in front of you you're dead meat so right. what's what's kind of interesting, and you could talk about this, is you know, on a, once in a while you'll see the news anchor if they're if they're reading they're reading it from the prompter they'll take the page off you know the 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 top layer as they're reading it, and then uh, you know ever so often if the prompter goes down you will see them looking down and and reading it. Oh, yeah. So so explain that whole process and what do you yeah you you mentioned you you mark pauses and. Tell us yeah, that. I would mark an L or, or quotations if I wanted to, you know, really punch a word or make it make it more uh, evident to the to the listener and to the watcher. I, you know, TV news is, is so weird because you are reading a script, but you're trying to act like you're just talking to someone. You're not you're not trying to. And, uh, you know, Johnny Jones was hit by the bus today. It's, <laughs> right. it's like Johnny Jones was hit by a bus today. You know what I mean? You, right. you have to make it conversational, even though the words are right in front of you. And you're right. absolutely right. If, 
you know, if you don't if you don't see your script beforehand, you're you're doomed because somebody might have a typo in there if it's not your writing. At most local news, we write our own scripts. I mean, people don't do it for you, but if you get to that size of a market, a bigger market where you do have people producing uh, the news, then you really have to take a look at that script, mark it up, see where you want to push some inflections, and and then, like you said, David, hold on to the copy because. The prompter person isn't always right there. They might be behind by a page or ahead by a page. And you do have to look down. But of course, back in the day of Walter Cronkite, I mean, that's all he did. He had to look down. There was no prompter until the, the late 60s and 70s. So, so it's okay to have that copy in front of you. Of course, nowadays, it looks like everybody's got an iPad or they have a laptop and they just sit there. It doesn't look the same as it used to. Right, right. And I know that in, in New York, for example, they they have a little shuttle, the shuttle pro, I think it is. It's, you know, they're controlling the prompter by themselves, oh, um, which, which in, at NBC, you know, it was all unionized back. And yeah. I'm sure it still is, you know, but I know on Fox, for example, we, we watch Fox at 10 uh, often. Uh, they're controlling the, uh, the prompter by themselves. Um, mm. But when you're reading it, if the prompter, per have you ever had it where the prompter person is, shuttling this thing too fast where oh, yeah. where you're true like, and you know so what do you do if you're reading this and that person is just plowing through the words and you're trying to like read it you know what what do you do you, you look down you, you look at oh, your you, copy you hope to god you have the copy with you or you know you, there's really i mean that's why you have copy with you it, it's really the uh it, it's the blanket for every news anchor or anybody reading anything on TV. If you don't have a copy in front of you, you are at the whim of that person who's running that prompter. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's not, it is not easy, even with prompter. Uh, and it's funny, on one of my shows, my talent, you know, who who is just a normal person. Oh my God, we spent uh, five hours to get through like a minute of copy because he couldn't Ooh. even read, you know, I mean, it could just, you know, to make it look natural. And, and you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really it's not... And again, I, that's why I give you know you and everybody else credit. It's being an on-air talent um, is not easy. Even even me reading the open to this podcast, um, you know, I've directed a million talent and done voiceover, and and I even had my own radio shows. But I will tell you, I am not a performer. You know, like I'm not an on-air talent, and I suck at it. You know, but it's amazing when you give it to a professional they can just it's like magic i don't you know that so so there's you know um a credit to but, but even the pros get nervous and, and and sometimes flustered i remember when i was working in pennsylvania they did the pennsylvania lottery uh right after our newscast in the same studio and so they would hire me to do the weekend uh you know drop the first ball please it's literally oh. live and and when you're doing the pennsylvania lottery and there's you know there's state police around it, it's, it's a little more pressure than just telling everybody how the high school football team did today so <laughs> right. uh, you know you sound great you sound like you're a professional oh. <laughs> but what i'm saying is you know there's degrees of, of nervousness when i when mm. i was on the network news for today covering uh, some hurricane down in wilmington north carolina uh, you know, I was nervous. You, know, you, right. you can't help it. if you're not nervous. You're, you're not alive. Right. And it's funny because I do, you know, when when the when the NBC, uh, either the nightly news shows come here and they cut to a local affiliate for breaking news in that market, that that local person now has their national exposure. And I could imagine 
that that's what they're waiting, you know, really waiting <laughs> their whole career. You know, they're in a small market. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, David uh, Muir, you know, wants to cut into some local affiliate happening somewhere. And right. that person has to go on camera live. And, you know, it's it again, it's amazing that they're getting this national exposure. But, man, if you screw it and up, careers are made or, or broken based on some of those events, just like we right. had being pages. I mean, right. would we be doing this today if we weren't NBC pages? I, I don't right. know. Right. Oh, it's amazing. Well, speaking of, I don't know what we're speaking of, but but uh, somebody who who wound up going from a very small market, who wound up, you know, taking over the world, one of my favorite people, Mr. David Letterman, uh, you, which is amazing to me. So you actually met him uh, mm -hmm. on his first day coming to Thirty Rock. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, like I said, I'm a huge Letterman fan and I got to meet him obviously. And I worked the show a couple, you know, million times. So tell us about the Letterman story because that that's incredible. You know, what a lot of people don't realize is that David Letterman's first show was a morning show. Mm -hmm. It was on at like 10 AM. It was very ill-conceived time for his sort of humor. So he had come in from LA, I guess he was working there and he had a Los Angeles Dodgers and one of these silky blue jackets on. Yeah. I mean, he's like totally not New York and he could care. It seemed like he could care less, but he got off the elevator in three and um, he wandered in, he wandered around to the executive offices up front. And I, I, somebody told me that's David Letterman. I said, okay, I'll go grab him. And I had to grab him and bring him back and take him to his dressing room. And he, he didn't say much. He wasn't exactly very happy either. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> but he, you know, maybe you know him better than I do. He, he, he seemed always a little grumpy to the pages, but but my pages. But this was his first year, and this was his first day. And when I got him there, the show lasted about six or eight months, I think. And and it got replaced by card sharks. <laughs> and so the last day, I swear to God, he had these women come out with waffle boards of cards saying, this is what you're going to see next week. You know, he was totally throwing it at NBC's faces. And wow. then confetti fell down. And for like 20 years, I had confetti in the two pockets of my, oh, wow. my jacket. Yeah. Wow. I love yeah, David Letterman. He's great. Great talent. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So it is amazing. And you, you mentioned three um, was the, th and the third floor was the Today Show, uh, Bob Costas, NFL Live. Mm -hmm. And mm. and uh, Broca, I think, was on three. So mm. where where was Letterman doing his show? I thought it was three B. It's like you went went out the Vaders, you turned left. It was that first studio there. Oh, to the left. Okay, I. Th yeah. So it's, it's funny. I wonder. Okay, because because I, I I I and I may be wrong. I um I wonder. Obviously, later in life, uh, I thought on the left became Broca's studio. So I wonder. And I may be, I may have the flaws confused. So that would be kind of cool if Letterman did his show in the, in the then, you know, which then became um, NBC Nightly News, which is. Uh, I'm sure they moved it all around since. I mean, I think Tom Broker was doing the news in five, you know, so oh, wow. when I was there, I mean, again, you know, I was there 80, 81, 82. So your era could be totally different. Right. And actually it's funny. Um, it is interesting. And I don't know if you had this experience, like you're in the building and then, you know, the hallways, which are, you know, crappy, you know, they really weren't very fancy hallways. Um, and then you go into a studio and you're like in another world, like you're on the set of the Today Show or you're on the set, you know, say Letterman or Center Life. 
And it's like, it's like the weirdest thing to see, like, like the TV now you're now standing like in your TV, whether any, yeah, whether any studios or, or things like that, where you walked in for the first time and you're like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Well, Saturday night live. I mean, there's nothing bigger than that. I mean, it's probably the largest TV studio in New York. I would, I can't Mm -hmm. imagine one's bigger because it was there for, a symphony back in the 30s and 40s so right. you know when you could when you walked in on for instance if you ever did the saturday night live show and i'm sure you did many yeah. times i mean i'd come in from new jersey at 8 a.m and stay until 1 a.m you know so it was like a whole day of being at the desk and it's just the build to saturday night live it's like nothing else in broadcast tv and when joe disco at that point disco, was yes. the announcer, when when he would go 10 seconds five seconds <laughs> everybody cracked up uh but when that when that show was really live and the music came on and the band was playing i'm like this is what tv this is like the greatest thing in broadcast television i i, mm-hmm. I just I, I get chills now just thinking about 11:30 on saturday nights back in 1981 right i just got a chill just by you saying that i'm getting chills and it's funny cuz i remember again i when letterman went to his late night show I, my brother and I, um, I, I don't think my brother listens to this podcast, but how, Howie, if you're listening, you know, we used to, you know, Hey, you want to watch Letterman? And we would stay up and watch this, watch this guy Letterman. And we'd love, you know, he was so crazy and did crazy stuff. But I remember the first day that I was assigned to work Letterman show, I was standing on the left side at the top of the stairs on the left side of the studio, looking down and, you know, Letterman, like, you know, um, Bill Wendell would warm up the audience. Then Bill Letterman, Wendell, yeah. yeah, he would Letterman would came out for like 10, you know, 10 seconds. You know, hey, how's everyone doing? And he walked out. He didn't really get to know anybody. And then when that music started, it was like, oh, my God. Like, I I, I almost like I almost like started crying. Like you're in the studio, you're hearing that music. And and it's like the electricity in the air. It's mind boggling. It it it's something that that I like. I cannot believe I'm sitting here watching this show, and you know, live in the studio. I mean, it was it was like nothing else. I mean, it was unbelievable. Oh, it's real professionals. It's it's the people at the top of their food chain. The bands are the best. The talents the best. You know, the the announcers are the best. Bill Wendell was fantastic. You know, I mean, yeah. you're getting the best of the best of the best doing something totally fun. Yeah. Oh God, it was so amazing. Um, and speaking of someone also who was at the top of their game was Tom Snyder. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, um, <laughs> so, uh, and again, gotta love him. I, I love, you know, he, he had, I mean, he's done a million things, but, but this, this all-star, what was that about? I, I don't think we had that. Yeah. They had two all NBC talent shows and they actually auditioned for them and they were people from, you know, the mail room or from the page program or from sales or, you know, from any production show. And they put together, you know, 15 or 20 little two, three minute acts. And I auditioned for the first one, didn't make that cut. Uh, but then I auditioned for the second one and they put me in with this woman named Mary Smalls. who was working somewhere in the building and she sang a song and I played the piano for it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm on network TV. Don't screw up the piano keys. But it was, it was so much fun. We did it at 8H. And you know Tom Snyder was right there shaking our hands and like this is this is the top this is as good as it gets. Wait, so they so they they broadcast they 
actually broadcast this? Oh, it was it was show? a program. Yeah, really? So I don't. It's funny. I don't even remember that. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it up. All NBC talent show. It was. Uh, it was. There was two of them that I know of. There may have been more after, but I was in the second one. And wow. uh, in fact, the first one in, included a guy named Ed Hall. Yeah, at home West, and he was yeah, the announcer. This is one of my pages. Show. He was a page with me. Yeah, he became he the, 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 the voice right? of Letterman. Yeah, Letterman, of uh, of yeah, Leno, from, of Leno. He, yeah, he, Leno, right? Leno. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For many years out west. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Wow, yeah. that, that's interesting. I didn't know. I'm surprised that. So, what was the purpose? He did a tight. In fact, Ed Hall did a Tom Snyder, uh, you know, kind of lookalike thing, and it was hilarious. He was sitting in a big chair and just acting just like Snyder, and then he ended up getting a job out west with uh, with Leno. Wow. Any any good uh, Tom Snyder? Um, well, you know, he had a bunch of, you know, Hart was on and uh, Cheap Trick. They seem to come every week, I guess. Oh, right. uh, you we'll know, I got to know him. the band. It was kind of fun to get to know them because, you know, you're in the green room with them making sure they're okay. Tom Snyder was very sweet, very nice guy, smoking all the damn time. He never right. stopped smoking. Right. But he, you could tell he was one of those guys who, who, who was nice to the little man. He... He appreciated the pages. I think most most of the people at NBC kind of appreciated us. They knew we were just getting started. They knew we were hungry to become successful. And let's face it. I mean, look at you and me. You know, they, we, we, we're good looking guys. So, you know, <laughs> but they wanted presentable people at NBC. Right. You know, right. if you had 18 scars, you might not have gotten the job. <laughs> right. Maybe not. Right. Yeah. It's funny. Um, and it, and even, you know, um, with Tom Snyder being, you know, all this talent was, and you had mentioned Letterman and, and it's funny, um, you know, uh, Dave, if you're listening, which I, again, I know he's not listening, but maybe some of his people are like, I would love to get him on this show to talk about his interactions with the pages because, and I know that he's, well, you know, very shy and he never, you know, we would see him in the building and he would, he was always, he always had his, you know, um, his glasses on and he had his baseball yeah. cap on and like carrying yes. football and wearing like, and actually wearing his like le late night, you know, um, Jersey, you know, or those jackets, you know, the, yeah, the jackets, yeah, those jackets. So he really, yeah. yeah. He really kept to himself. And I know he probably, you know, again, he's and we, you know, unlike Leno, who would talk to anyone and and whatever, but it would be kind of cool to get get Letterman on to, you know, clear the air or maybe just talk about what it was like and what he and maybe what he felt about the pages. Maybe because remember, he he was so focused. It, yeah. it, he probably felt maybe the pages were a distraction. Uh, or well, that's just, your next or, phone call, David. Get, you know, when we get done here, I'm gonna, call him up. As I, so if anyone listening, if they know anything and it's funny, Letterman is giving away it's really funny currently they're giving away the side of his marquee from uh from the cbs show yeah oh wow now it's really weird so and i think it's it's called like you know uh get dave.com or something there's a website and you it's ten i think it's ten dollars to enter and the money goes to habitat for humanity and they're literally giving, he said it's like eight feet tall by 20 feet wide. And they're giving it away. He said they'll deliver it. So him and Paul, like if you look on YouTube, they they, they talk about it. But it was so funny because when Letterman left CBS, they literally took his set and threw it in dumpsters, threw it out in dumpsters right outside his thing. Now, I personally 
jumped into the dumpsters and yeah. the whole set i i actually took pieces out of the garbage That's of his cool. set which i kept in my apartment and then i eventually threw them out but it was so funny because they literally and it's it's a shame because it, in my opinion it should have gone some of it should have gone to the smithsonian or something even though it wasn't the nbc show but but it's so funny so everything went in the trash and ironically, maybe they they salvaged that one piece from the left, you know, from the from the marquee yeah. that didn't work. So here it is. They're giving it away to raise money. And I'm like, I'm like, you could have given away the whole set because they threw everything in the garbage, <laughs> like, which was so well, New York. You know, it's a throwaway world. <laughs> they you were know, like, you're not hot. You're not on. You're off. I mean, that was yeah, it was after that's a crime to throw Letterman's, you know, throw that set out. It was it's such a shame. Um, so I guess, well, just a couple of more questions, I guess one of them, uh, you had mentioned cheap trick, um, yes. which again, uh, one of, you know, one of my favorite bands, you know, what was that? Yeah. What, what was that about? What was, they were the musical guests one night on Saturday night live, I think 81 or 82 season. And, um, you know, they were in the one green room, uh, getting ready to go on and they went on and they got done and, you know, when the show's over, as a key page, you would know, you kind of go through the building, you take a look, see if everything's where it is or not, but I did. And um, I went into the green rooms just to see, you know, cause I was kind of excited. I, I love cheap trick too. And um, uh, I noticed in the, in the corner, somebody had left their guitar and the guitar case, you know, the guitar was in the case. They had left a guitar in the green room wow. and the, the, the show was just all done maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So maybe they oh, weren't okay. gone. So I took the guitar, I, I called uh, main hall and they told me that people were still down there. So I ran it down. I I got the elevator down and uh, I got it to the guys and the guy was so happy. I don't know what the name of the bass player was. He was like, is, oh. it, is it Rick Nielsen? Yeah, yeah. Is it Rick Nielsen? Yeah, Nielsen. Maybe that's it. Yeah. So he, you know, he, he opened the guitar thing. He took out a, a checked black and white uh, strap and he gave me the strap. Wow. I said, oh, yeah. I had it for like 30 years and I don't know where the hell it is now. Oh, uh, wow. But again, there's, like you said, there's the kindness of some people that are, you know, celebrity. But of course, I'm sure the guitar was worth thousands. And right. He was happy to get it back. It's funny. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, American Pickers of uh, American mm -hmm. Pickers, and mm -hmm. um, they did a pick and went to his. Uh, he has a museum apparently, and then then they went to buy some of his stuff, and he took them to his like storage thing. So he just yeah. pulls open the door, and then basically he had it was just filled with stuff, and oh. they're like, "Could you?" You know, and he's like, "Here's a shirt I wore. Here's my equipment to this." And he was like, "Oh my god!" And, ah. and and one of the 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 hosts you know um you know oh my god it's it's his guitar you know so it was yes. kind of cool to see you know because again they got just piles and piles of of stuff you know i mean yeah. just accumulated over the years it's worth a lot to some of us but to him he's just got a bunch of stuff right exactly he's like i got junk I, what, what do i need for yeah. um yeah, i mean that's the whole thing about the paid program you're literally working with the stars i mean i had I had Linda Ronstadt sign a W-4 form. I mean, who the hell does that? You know, I mean, <laughs> right. she just bent right down and signed it right in front of me. And there you right. go. Right. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is funny because it is true that that, you know, these folks are. And again, we didn't they never they never said to us, you know, don't lose your mind when you see a star. Like they never really said how to behave. We had the mm. book that you had to learn, but they never mm -hmm. said really how to behave or anything. Mm -hmm. And it is true that these major folks were coming in. And you would either, you know, had to get them to sign something or give them some water or food or whatever, you know, whatever you right. would just bring them somewhere. And it's almost like um, it's almost like when you 
for some people, if you were a big fan of that particular person, it's almost like, oh, my God, you're so and so. I can't believe, you know, and instead you're like, oh, hi, Mr. So and so. Or, you know, throw it away. Yeah. You know, and and it is funny because you you just have to remain calm and just you know uh you know act you know normal and and again i think a lot of them once you're behind the you know the curtain you know they're just there you know you know they don't have hair and makeup they most of the time they look you know terrible uh they just roll out of bed and you know you just you know they need to so you just sort of you know act you know accordingly and they i think just appreciate the fact that you're just treating them you know normal you know, and then they when they walk out of the building and they get attacked with, you know, people getting autographs and stuff. You know, then, uh, I think as pages, we learn pretty quickly. If you if you treat them like superstars, you're not going to be working very long. You're working right. with these people. You're not like you know, asking for their autographs. So right. Uh, right. It, it's I mean, I remember Jamie Lee Curtis bent down at the 8H desk to sign something. And she was in her prime in 1981 doing Halloween. Right. And I was like, I can see things there and I'm very happy. <laughs> but I said nothing. So you were sitting, you were sitting at the, you had the eight desk. desk. She had to do something like Linda Ronstadt did signing something, uh, mm-hmm. even some release of some sort, but you know, she's a very healthy lady and she was like 22 then. I mean, she oh couldn't be God. any hotter. Wow. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the greatest job in the world. <laughs> so tell me, so, so you, and so you had the page assignment at the page desk. Yes. Um, 8H. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so tell, yeah, just quick, you know, we'll, we'll and we'll have one, one or two more questions, but, um, yeah, tell us about working that desk. And and again, back then, it was probably just a metal desk. Uh, now, I, I mentioned Joe DiTulio, which is the uh, one of the art directors for SNL, who was a page. He he designed and rebuilt that desk for the pages to to sit at. Wow. Um, and he currently works for SNL. So he was a page yeah. in my group. So I'm, I'm very proud of him. Um, so tell us, yeah, tell us about you at the desk and like what that was like and what you have to do and how, you know, yeah. I mean, you're at the epicenter of like the hottest show in America. And for me, like I told you, I, I'd be there by eight or nine in the morning and stay until one or two in the morning because I needed the overtime because I was making four bucks an hour. But I mean, you know, people would come in, stuff would come in, flowers, uh, props. And of course you're sitting at this desk and you know, they're wheeling in props and wheeling in stage sets, anything from the, the, the stars to to things that they're adding into the show come by. Of course, uh, Lauren would walk by and other producers would walk by. So you're really in the at, at the verge of the doors that lead into the studio. And you're kind of in, in control of a lot of things. The, I don't know what they do for phones now, but back then the phone would ring all the time. And I'd have to say, send this up. Don't send that up. And then, of course, by the time the show's ready to start, you know, you have to okay people that are waiting in line to get in. Um, and some people didn't have tickets, and you had to escort them out and get them to the <laughs> elevators. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't all fun, but right. you know, you were at you were at like ground zero for Saturday Night Live, not being a performer. You, right. you were right outside the doors, and so the green rooms were to the left and to the right, where the the, the talent would go. Uh, it, it, it never stopped being exciting. Right. I remember once they had the they had the American Ballet Theater there, and these girls put all their feet up on on the desk. Mm. And you know, if you know ballet dancers, their feet are just gnarled up. I mean, they're just beat up from doing so much dancing. You know, and and they they didn't speak English. And I had to ask them to get off the desk. <laughs> but, but 
you know, and, and then Garrett Morris would have his um, drug person come by. You know, I, you know, oh, really? it, it really, it really happened. Uh, wow. A guy would come in with a silver case and we all knew what it was and we were told not to stop him. Wow. So he would come by the desk. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we've had <laughs> other folks. Well, we'll uh, we'll say maybe it was just um, some um, uh, herbal uh, herbal essence. Herbal essence, exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it was funny that that you're at that desk, and it is true. It's you're right at the you're right in front of the doors. You're right right across the hallway where the where the dressing rooms for the talent and the band. Right there, I'm assuming they were still there back mm -hmm. um, back then. And um, now, did you get uh, you know, people would call and leave messages for, for Eddie Murphy or, oh yeah, you know, yeah, all the time. And we had to he... run them down and, you know, hand them to somebody. There's always somebody was in there with all the talent. They, they were never by themselves. Right. But we'd have to go down and run it down or, you know, or call. Mm -hmm. it, it just was in very involved. And, and you could just feel the, the action build as it went from four to six. And then you got done with the rehearsal show. I don't know if they still do that or not. Yeah, they, you'd they have the rehearsal show at 7.30 with 15 or 20 sketches. Yeah. And then they'd cut them down to 10 or 11 for the live show. A lot of people right. don't know that, at least back yeah, explain then, that. we yeah. did two shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah explain that. We, yeah, the um, by the time they were ready to do the show, and it was a very brief time that you'd write up scripts for these Saturday Night Live performances because it was almost always uh you know current current affair based so they would run together 15 or 16 or 17 different skits and at 7 or 7 30 we would have a rehearsal show which was ticketed it was just like a regular real show but it wasn't live and from that lauren and the, the rest of the the SNL crowd would would decide which ones made the cut, which ones were funny, which ones needed to be tweaked. And they would normally cut down five to seven of those shows to be able to fit them into the, the time frame for the live show. And they kind of had a sense that it would work. They'd take a break. We'd get our sandwiches there in the mezzanine back in the day and then come back up for the live show. And, uh, you know, the show had been tuned up. Yeah, most people don't realize that... Uh which it which is pretty shocking it, it is amazing that um there's a show prior to the live show so they go through the entire actually as you mentioned it's a longer show and <laughs> i always get a kick out of it and and god bless lawn michaels and everybody but you know when you watch the actual show you know 30 minutes have been cut out right. and then you say to yourself for the love of god what did they cut out <laughs> right you know what do they cut out because yeah. what made it to air you know <laughs> you know you want to you know kill yourself but know, um right. so they literally cut out stuff and again to the to the credit of the of everybody involved including the set builders you know and joe and, and his crew and, and the crew that works you know they have to build all those sets so not only are they writing this stuff and rehearsing it and and the cue cards everything oh. <clears throat> yeah everything that's written out uh, actually, yeah, explain the cue cards for the folks that are listening, because that, too, is insane. Well, that is insane. It, it, it goes back to the day of, uh, you know, in the 40s and 50s. Uh, but the biggest thing about cue cards, they would actually take these cards. I don't know how, what the size they were. They were about three feet wide by about two feet high, and uh, they were white. And they would literally write the scripts for the actors on them. Because these actors, as you probably know, if you've watched Saturday Night Live at all, 
you can't memorize all these lines within a half hour or an hour or two days. It's impossible. I mean, I do acting up here at community theater and I need to, mm. I need weeks. So they would literally put on cue cards, these, these lines for the actors and they would put them either down below the camera or to the side. And you know, if you've watched Saturday Night Live, you can see that the actors look away from the screen to, to get back to where they go. But yeah, the, the cue cards are, incredibly important back in my day at least so that they could actually know what the hell they were going to be saying yeah so again for, for those listening you know it's it really is insane because every word is written on these cue cards and generally the host you know they're in a certain color and then each talent each person on stage has a different color so they know you know what to read and then they have to keep all of these cue cards in order, in the right mm. order. You know, imagine right. imagine yeah. dropping them, you know, tripping and oh. dropping the cue cards. And then <laughs> between the dress rehearsal and the air show, any script changes, they would go and they would use this, you know, masking tape to mask over yes. maybe a line. That's or a right. Word. I forgot about the masking yeah. tape. Yeah. And they'd write over the word to like fix it, put those in order. And the fact is, if you just think about it, everything that you're seeing on TV, every word, every script is on these cards and, and everything is happening so quickly. And there's this piles and piles of cards and each card has to go to a certain talent and a different script. And then they got different order. How that that alone is insane. That alone, I mean, just think about it. Like, just think about if you're writing, you know, for those at home, you know, who write like a document, you know, and you're like, oh, uh, it's five pages. Oh, wait, you know, page four, it comes out of the printer in the wrong order. Oh, there's a spelling mistake. Everything that's written on these cards and then to keep it in 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 order and intact and 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 able to move the cards, you know, live on the air and not drop them. It is. Hey, it's, so, a, it's a testament to NBC because they really, God. I mean, to do a live show, even back in the eight, nobody was doing live shows anymore. So right. to be able to do a live show and to change up like that, quite a testament to the, to the talented people at NBC. Wow. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, I, I, I still, like I said, I, I'm so impressed with the, with the behind the scenes for SNL than, than anything else, because again, they're true talk about professionals. I mean, they, nail it you know they nail it they're they're just so good and I'm, I'm 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 just so in awe of that so we'll we'll wrap up with our final question about um i guess again again not being not being uh professional i guess but you almost knocked ted kennedy uh, to the ground i guess yes and again it it's just it one does. of those things it can happen i mean it's 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 an easy thing so tell us about that it was a Sunday morning and they were doing Meet the Press or we used to call it Meet the Depressed. And um, <laughs> they were doing it up in 8-H for some reason. They had built a set there and they were doing it there. And he was in one of the green rooms for Saturday Night Live. And I was just walking through the hallway looking for bagels for breakfast. And, <laughs> you know, you could live off the bagels at NBC. Yeah, but yeah. And I did. But um, uh, And my pockets were just filled with... You know, <laughs> butter and cream cheese anyway um he was he he was coming out and i guess he didn't have an entourage in front of him and he was just getting ready to do a sunday morning thing as a senator from massachusetts and he was actually getting ready to run against uh, jimmy carter in a primary to become president and i it was just one of those bad timing things where he came out hard and i came out hard and i mean my left shoulder banged his right shoulder and we both kind of went back for a second and thought, oh shit it's ted kennedy 
I said, sorry, sir, sorry, sir. And he didn't say much because I guess right. whatever. <laughs> but, you know, we banged right, you know, in that little area there where the green room is. And yeah. uh, you know, I was a hard hit, but he survived wow. and I did too. Yeah. Wow. It is. Okay. It is. fun. Yeah. I mean, again, you, you know, it's I, I remember uh, even when I was producing the promos, I would take those tapes out of the machines and run, like run and I'd have to turn the corners and I'd run up the side of the wall. That's how yeah. to get to master control. And mm -hmm. I remember and then I remember even at WNBC in trying to get all this stuff done, I would I would smoke down the hallways. And I remember one time uh, Bill Bolster, who was the president of WNBC when I was there, you know, I'm like, I'm like smoking around the corner and he sees sees me and I'm like, and, and I think I just said to him, I said, this is how I get so much stuff done. I mean, I just hauled ass and it's true. You know, you could, you know, in those cases, you could bang into someone and hurt someone. I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, it's someone really could have yeah. hurt, but, but it's, but, but also, you know, even with talent and working with talent, um, you know, sometimes you do get nervous. You you didn't know that he was coming. So you just, it was just a total accident, right? That you just banged into him. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I had no idea he was there. No idea they were even doing the show. Yeah. But I just came, I came with speed and he came out. And <laughs> it is, it is awkward. Yeah. It definitely is awkward. Um, uh, and, and again, sometimes if you're working with talent, sometimes you could get a little nervous and 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 you know and drop things or 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 or, or make a mistake or, or or bang into them you know you you know you get you get a little bit you know all, all, all messed up um uh so yeah the, the whole experience is just so so weird but um well in any case this has been fascinating love like i said i i love hearing these stories uh yeah. which is you know why i do this podcast because in, in, every time i talk to somebody you hear some fascinating story or experience that that i've never heard before and i'm sure the view the listeners also you know i'm sure are fascinated so i can't thank you enough for taking the time to uh you know do the show um i appreciate it tremendously you're welcome you you brought me back i, I miss great. it still right isn't it amazing and it's so crazy that all of these years later and again you and everybody else myself included i could i have these memories like it was yesterday and they're so mm -hmm. they're such fond memories and and again i always you know i encourage anyone who's younger um who 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 and and some some young folks may may listen to this that you may inspire them to say mm -hmm. you know what i'm going to go to a local station to 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 try to get on air or you know so it it's just so fascinating <laughs> to to take this information share it and then you know pass it along to everyone so I much appreciate it. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to A Page in History. A Page in History is produced by David Harris Katz Entertainment. For more information on our television shows, syndication, and more, go to dhcats.com. And to listen to more episodes of A Page in History, or if you've been lucky enough to call yourself one of the world-famous NBC pages and would like to appear on the show, go to apageinhistory.tv.